Okay, feel good now. Feel released and loose. But I, I wanted to um, get into word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I, um, I want to get right into the word. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version, and the word says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, darkness, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. I'm going to speak with you briefly this morning on the subject, strengthening your faith for the battle. Strengthening your faith for the battle. Pray with me. Father, if I've ever needed you before, I need you now. I invite your spirit to fill the Garland Faith Seventh-day Adventist Church that there is no room for the devil. Because you promised us that if we call upon you, you would hear us. And we're claiming that promise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 29 years ago, The United States entered into a war with Iraq to expel the occupying troops, Iraqi troops that were in Kuwait. I remember the war really quite well, and I'm sure most of you do, except for the children here, they don't remember that. But, but one thing about the war, I, I remember it so well because the plan was called Operation Desert Storm. And, and the plan, I, I was fascinated as a strategist. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a critical thinker, chess player that likes to really, really play, understand strategies. And I remember as a kid, there was a little game we used to play. It was called, it was called War. And we used to move to chess players and generals and play it. You remember that game? I, remember, I, I had it. I'm, I'm aging myself, probably, but that's okay. But, but I was excited about how we were going to attack the enemy. And General Norman Schwarzkopf, he devised a successful plan. See, when you're going into war, one of the things that you must do is have a successful plan, a battle plan. And your battle plan can never, ever, ever be too sophisticated. It has to be simple enough for the troops to carry it out. It, it, it can't be overly complicated. It has to be all the things. So there, there are six steps that they tell you in the components of General Schwarzkopf's plan. There were six steps that he used, and I'm going to share those steps with you, and I'm going to pass those to the spiritual reign, and I'm going to sit down. Number one, 
The first thing you must do for a successful battle plan is to identify the enemy and his tricks and his snares. That was easy to do because we knew Saddam Hussein had invaded Kuwait, so that was an easy one. But they also, if you remember, were afraid of chemical warfare. So they addressed accordingly because they did not want to be caught off guard. Number two, they equipped their forces with the tools needed to fight the enemy and to minimize casualties. So first, they identified the enemy. Second, they equipped their forces with tools needed. Let's talk about that equipping of the forces. What they did successfully was take a battle plan to troops. And when they took them to the troops, they took them and they isolated them to make sure that they understood that not outside distractions, to make sure that they knew the plan and everyone knew the plan. Number three, they let nothing distract them from winning the game. Separated them from family, separated them from everything. They made sure that no one would be distracted because if anybody, how many people have been in the military before? If you're in the military and you're distracted, you've got a problem. So they made sure that there was no way they'd be distracted before. They trusted the plan and stayed connected to the source of the plan. So that was his plan. And number five, never, ever rest while you're in war. So during this plan, it was a very successful plan. As you remember, they carried out the plan to the exact, but the plan had small casualties and they had a few flaws. But nonetheless, it was a successful plan. In case you haven't been paying attention, North Dallas Adventist Academy students and Garland Faith Church, there is a, another war going on which started in heaven and has continued throughout the history of this world. This war is not for land or for oil. It doesn't involve Saddam Hussein. It doesn't involve Kuwait. It doesn't involve Iraq. It involves your salvation and my salvation. This war has started before the foundation of the world. This war has had heavenly forces to deal with. And in order for us to be successful, we must use a simple, a similar battle plan. To carry out the battle plan, you must need a place where instruction and training is perpetual and a unified purpose with, this, with few distractions. These places should be, number one, your home. Number one, your home. Number two, your church. And number three, your school. Understand the key components of this battle plan. Unified purpose. Training is perpetual. 
and very few distractions. So I, I continue today. The first thing we must do from a spiritual, because we're, re- we're wrestling against something that's greater. So if I'm wrestling against something that's greater, I got to first do like Schwarzkopf did in his plan. Let's identify the enemy. Oh, I don't care how angry you get with some. And maybe angry with me and maybe angry with the pastor. Or even angry with your children. We are not the enemy. Let me say that again. Let, Let me just move this over here a little bit. It doesn't matter how angry you get with your teachers, your principals, your students, your children, your children, your children. They are not the enemy. Sometimes the the enemy is very, very good at disguising itself, but we must identify the enemy. First Peter 5, 8 and 9 says Satan is the enemy and he seeks to destroy you. Ephesians 6.11 says he's a schemer. He he is a smooth-talking deceiver. I tell this to the young people all the time. You know, you know, you know young ladies, we, throughout the time, and, 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 and not so young ladies, you might admit this as well, that, there's, that we always like the guy to say all the really warm and smooth things to in our ear, right? You, you might as well admit that. And those are, that are not admitting it, you're not telling the truth, but I know you're telling the truth. We, we love it when they say, oh, oh, you look so beautiful today. You're so gorgeous. Look at your smile. It lights up. It's just so great. And we fall victim. But Satan is so crafty that he does all the tricks to set you up for failure. Because understand, he knows once you identify him, he can, you can incorporate your battle plan and the game is over. So some of his tricks is, same tricks. Well, Satan uses the same tricks. Number one, God is holding out on you. See, I know at North Dallas Evans Academy, they don't want you to do this and they don't want you. Do you know how much fun, how much you're missing out on do you, do you understand how much, you, you, how much fun you could be having? Didn't he say that to Eve? Then God is trying to destroy you and your family. Because if, if God truly loved you, he would not let a member of your family die. Understanding death did not come until he sinned. He left out that part. And number three, he says, you are your own God. You are the captain of your ship. Which, which, which you understand. Let, let, me, let me sidebar here for a minute. Understand the battle that's going on. The whole, you watch the news now and, and the whole gender neutral philosophy. Let the child determine his or her sex. And you say, well, oh, that's not a big deal. Let me tell you why that's a big deal. It's a big deal because that is the humanistic approach, which, said, which is the foundation that says, I am my own God. I get to choose whatever I am. The Bible says you are made in his image. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And if you are fearfully, wonderfully made by the almighty God, how do you get to see God? Then he, he, he employs the trick, there is no God. And the favorite one amongst this generation, and if we admit it, amongst my generation as well, if it feels good, do it. So he's setting you up for failure. He's doing all these things. Those are some of the tricks that he's using. So we identify him as the how we get caught is that he is crafty to say to make it doesn't look like evil. It doesn't look like evil, but evil is anything that separates you from Jesus Christ. So, so understand what that means. If this is separating you from Jesus Christ. It is evil. I know it's going to get quiet. It's okay. <laughs> if Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and Twitter is separating you from Jesus Christ, it is evil. Because he understands that if he can do that, he can keep you disconnected from the source. Number two, equip yourself to fight the battle. One of the reasons why the school of the prophets was started was because of the fact to keep the young people connected to Almighty God, who is their creator. See, understand, when we talk about Christian education, and I, and I have this discussion all the time where people say, no, I'm not bashing public school. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. We talk about Christian education because the agenda, what do we talk about in war? Unified purpose. Perpetual training, same goal. Right? The public school does not have the same goal for your children. That's, so what happens is, if you take a mind, any mind, that you leave them off at 7.30 in the morning and pick them up at 4.30 in the evening, five days a week, what, is, what are they shaping that mind to do? They're not shaping them to be like Jesus. Understand, we're fighting a battle of faith here. Nothing is impossible in the school of the prophets we teach the children. Sanctify the Lord your God in your heart so you will always be able to answer what First Peter says. Any question that answers why you have hope, sanctify them, pastor, with thy truth. Thy word is truth. See, the battle is for salvation. The battle is not for a best job in corporate America. Say it over here. The battle is for salvation, not the best job in corporate America. Now understand, you can still, in the school of the prophets, get the best jobs in corporate America. But you understand that you do not get attached because it's only temporary. I'm moving on. The third plan is let nothing distract you from your goal. In the school of the prophets, Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, see, a lot of people, I get a lot of young people say to me, and not so young people say, how do you know 
when God's talking to you? How do you know when God's saying something to you? Well, you can't know. You know why you can't know? Because you're conformed to the world. The scripture says, if you be, be not conformed, and then you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know what is good is acceptable. See, understand, it's, it's difficult now. Why, why the school of the prophets is more important now than it was? Because the distractions are like nothing we've ever had. We've never had this much power in our hands as a kid. The kids can access stuff from pornography to all sorts of stuff that we had to steal magazines from uncle, uh, drunk uncle. It, we, we, they, they have all of this available to us. We need, they need direction. And understanding what I'm saying, this is a battle that I am passionate about. Because the battle of faith, there will come a time where you're going to have to stand up. Your young people are going to have to make a stand for right or wrong. And the public school is not going to prepare them for that. In the school of the prophets, it's telling in 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it says, love not the world. These are the things that are in the world. It also says in Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. See, in the school of the prophets, it's teaching you that. But see, this is the problem, I think. We, we, we forget sometimes. God says, I wish above all things that you prosper <laughs> and be in good health as thy soul prospers. He doesn't want poverty-stricken Christians. But he doesn't want wealthy Christians that forget who gave him the wealth. Number four, trust the plan and stay connected to its source. Everybody knows the scripture says trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Uh, understand what, what, he's, what he's trying to tell you is that there will come a time in everybody's life that what God has put before you, what's happened in your life, does not look like what you planned, not, that's not what you have ever been prepared for. So the only thing you have is to trust in Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that faith element, we're going to start to doubt. Well, wait a minute, he's going to whisper in your ear, see, God doesn't love you anymore. Because if he loved you anymore, you wouldn't have lost your job. If he loved you, you wouldn't have, your husband or your wife wouldn't have walked out. Your, your, your children would not have been strung out on drugs. If he loved you, you wouldn't do that. But see, you have to understand, in battle, in the, in the desert storm, there were some casualties. But see, the reason why... I'm not concerned about casualties. I'm concerned about the foundation because the scripture says train them up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, he will not forget it. See, that's the part that's powerful because there will be students, no matter where you send them, that will forget God. It's happened throughout time. It's not going to change. 
But the issue is, it's always there's somebody prodigal coming back and Jesus is always there waiting. See, understand, people are saying, well, you know, your, your, your kids this and they do the same as public school. Look, we're in a world that's sin sick and we're all sin sick. The difference is we're in a hospital headed by Dr. Jesus. When, you, when you're in a hospital headed by Dr. Jesus, it's different. Because understand, you know, what's the thing, a sidebar. And I, I, I know I'm running out of time, but sidebar. I'm amazed. Christians amaze me. We're all sin sick. And you've heard the cliche and the statement about being a hospital. The hospital, let's talk about a hospital for just a minute. A hospital has ICU. We have oncology. We have the cancer ring. We have all of the different wings, right? And we have people that just there come in the emergency room. Some may come in for knee surgery, some for back surgery, some whatever different. It's funny how, have you ever seen a true hospital where the people that are coming in to get their tonsils out go to the cancer ring and say, you know what, I'm better off than you. What about the people in ICU who, can, who, who, who they come over and say, you know what, I've lived much better life than you because that's why you're in ICU and I'm not. Of course not. That's why I'm amazed at the church sometimes. We're all So instead of discouraging, encourage. Instead of talking about, pray about. Can, what a wonderful world, a wonderful church, a school, and home we would be if when a student or family had a problem, if a student or family had a problem, all we would do, instead of talking about them, we prayed about it. Wouldn't that be an awesome place to be? Where, where you knew that if I'm having, I, I could stand up and say, stand up in front of the church and say, you know what, pray for me and my wife, we're having problems. Instead of people saying, oh, yeah, I knew they was having this problem, so I, I saw it over here. What, what a wonderful place it would be. And number five, never rest while you're in war. See, the, the key, what's going on right now, as we become more comfortable, we, don't, we forget that we're in war. The more, that's why the Bible says it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven, because you get comfortable. You're starting to feel like this is home. And I don't ever want to feel like this is my final place. I hear people saying all the time, out of all due respect, you only live once. I don't plan to only live once. That's, that, that, that's, if you say, I don't plan, life is short. No, 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 no. This life here is short. And why I don't, that's why I was, I was having this conversation with my son the other day. He says, Dad, you know, you know God, would, was, he allowed people to die. The story of Joel we were talking about, he said, why did it happen? I said, when you're God, death doesn't phase you because you've overcome it. When you are the resurrection and the life, it's like this. The best example, kids, when you go to sleep at night, do your parents cry? Absolutely not. Why? Because they can wake you up. When you die, he is the resurrection and the life. So he understands, he weeps 
because of your pain, but he understands that one day I will wipe away all tears. You have to act differently. You can't have picnics when you're in the trenches in Iraq. You, you can't have a spiritual picnic when you're wrestling not against flesh and blood. There should never be a time when we're not connected to the source. And that's his whole plan for the young people because he's scared of them. He, he knows that if they get it, it's over. If they, if they recognize that they have the power to end this thing, he has no chance. That's why he keeps them distracted. When you have a battle plan and you recognize the source of the battle plan, you will defeat the enemy. Regardless of the situation, let me tell you a little story and I'm done. A long time ago, many years ago, there was a, there was a family that started to study about being an Adventist Christian. The mother was converted and convinced that in a small town that they lived in, with, with, with the six children that they had, she wanted all of her children to be taught of the Lord. Because the scripture says, great shall be the peace. See, we wonder sometimes why our children in, this, in the world today act crazy. There's no peace. But Realizing this, as she studied more, she became more excited about this whole Adventist thing. And, and, and as she studied, she was excited. She got baptized. She was converted by her husband's mother. So she was excited, knew, you know how we get excited when you find something new. Well, let me rephrase. You know how we're excited when we find an additional 50% off at Dillard's. How's that? <laughs> so one day, a very, very musical family, one day was singing, and she came home early and put the kids to bed. And it's back in those days where it wasn't a disgrace by society for a woman to stay home. I'll let you think about that later. I said society. About 10.30 is a knock on the door. It was the police. They had a burnt out driver's license that says, is this your husband? He said, yes, it is. He said, well, I'm sorry he was killed in a car accident and the car blew up she didn't know what to do 
the plan, the faith, the, the structure that she had. She, she didn't know what to do. What am I going to do now? I'm, I'm, I, don't have, I, I, I barely have a high school education, and I have six kids to raise, and I don't know what to do. She didn't have time to cry. But she, she, she knew that in order, she, she was determined that her children would be taught of the Lord, so she had to get out of this little bitty town. Because this little bitty town with kids, their teenage pregnancy was high, even back then. So she decided to move. She found a place. She was excited. A little bitty Adventist school in the basement of a church. K through eight. And there was it's just three rooms. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, seventh, and eighth. And she was excited because she knew that that was what she had to do to save her children's soul. And, and, and when, she, when, she, when she followed that plan, she, she, she was doing it, but she had to sacrifice. A single mother with six kids in Christian education is very difficult. So she worked three jobs, had one pair of shoes for work, one pair of shoes for church. But she was committed to the battle plan. It didn't turn out, Mr. Hill, like she thought, but she was committed to the battle plan. And all of her family who weren't Adventists said, you're crazy. Your daughters are going to be pregnant before, they, before age 18. Your, your boy's going to sell drugs. She was committed to the battle plan. Years went by, and the, the, the family grew from this education. Went, all went on to college. All went on to academies and boarding schools were popular back in those days. Single mother. And so for those who say that you can't be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, one child went to Andrews, one child went to Oakwood, one child is a PhD and is the, the highest chemistry and physics leader in the state of California. There's one child that's a certified public accountant with her own business. There's, there's another child that's, that's, a, that's a gourmet chef. There's another child that's a nurse. There's a, there's, there's a couple children that, that are, were CFOs and pastors. And one child is the head of school for North Dallas Adventist Academy. Amen. Never, ever believe that our education is substandard. 
I was having a conversation with my sister just the other day about what produced out of the basement of that church. There were casualties. I have seven friends that went to prison, but I got six friends that are doctors. There were casualties. I have three friends that are lawyers. I have six friends that are engineers out of the basement of the church. And Kevin said well when he says, here is the difference, and I'm going to leave you with this. Here is the difference. I am a living witness for whatever I lacked, Jesus filled the gap. We didn't have the best of equipment, but I got IT people in my family. So I, I want to leave with this. Understand, I believe wholeheartedly that God blessed North Dallas Adventist Academy with a facility like none other. And if you haven't been there, go see it. And this has nothing to do with anybody but God. And so because of that, I believe we have a responsibility to be the best, period. To be the best, period. Because there are no more excuses. I've heard for years, oh, I would go to the school if we had a better facility. Check. And then I hear, oh, well, I would go to that school if you had STEM programs. Check. Everything that we are trying to do is to do things to glorify God. But most importantly is to not only save your children, save ourselves. So I've heard it all. But right now, I challenge you to get on your knees. If your child is not part of, doesn't have to be North Dallas Christian education. Get on your knees. And like Hazelina said, I could share testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. How God provided for a single mother for us to go to boarding school. I could, I could give you testimony. Your mouth would drop and say, there's no way that happened. God will make a way. So my prayer to you today is that you let God lead, not you lead. Get on your knees. See, sometimes when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the most dangerous part of the prayer that we don't like, it says, thy will be done. That's what my prayer is for you, is that God's will will be done. Because I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? And I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little long. I'm sorry. But let me tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because I can feel it. I can feel the spirit moving. I can see it. And it's unfortunate because sometimes you, you, people get you, when, you get, when you're in war, you don't have time to argue in war. Anybody been in the military, who argues in the, anybody that argues in the trenches is dead. We, we don't have time to argue. I can see it. I'm so excited I can see it. 
And people say, why are you so excited? I said, because I'm telling you, don't you see what God is doing? Can't you see we have never been connected to, to people with money like we're being connected to now? And they need Jesus too? Praise God. I'm done. Pray with me. I want you, Lord, this this moment, before I pray to just invite someone that's just, who's thinking about it, who's in the valley of decision with their child, to just raise your hand and say, remember me, pray for me, that we can make the best decision for our child. Just for a moment. Just a moment. Because I see a hand, I see two hands. We, 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 this is a war. This is a war, and I trust me, he doesn't care about anybody but destroying your family. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you are a God that loves us. You're a God that cares for us. You're a God that looks beyond our faults and sees our needs. And yes, Lord, we haven't done everything right, but neither has anyone else. But Lord, we're asking for your guidance and you to be the leader at our school, you to be the leader in our home, you to be the leader in our church. We're asking for unification and you to unify us behind the cross. We're thankful for each and every one of our students that the Satan's desires to have but, Lord, with, we know that you will not let that happen. And we're claiming that promise today in Jesus' name. Amen.